Welcome to the In Awe Podcast, where we amplify women by sharing their unique stories and empower a community through the mission and their message. I am your host, Sarah Johnson, a former school teacher and principal turned author and entrepreneur, living my own leap of faith on a mission to teach masses. Each week, we will feature stories from women who will leave us all in awe of their impact on our world. Welcome back to the In Awe Podcast in our series feature on teachers. What a gift it has been to amplify these brilliant, dedicated, and passionate women for you all this month. Today's guest taught me so much just in our interview, and I cannot wait for you to meet her. Elena Stanton is a kindergarten teacher at Mulberry Elementary School in Gwinnett County, Georgia. Over the past 15 years, she has worked with first grade, second grade, and taught technology special. Elena believes relationships always come first in the classroom, and that bringing passion into her lessons instills a love for learning. In this episode, we learn how Elena has used challenging life experiences as real-life lessons from which to grow into a better teacher in person. She shares the inspiring story of how she and her husband turned a less-than-perfect vehicle into a learning experience and a way for a community to come together, as well as the lessons she learned from the heartbreak of trying to build a family through pregnancy loss. Elena's wisdom and the way she generously shares the lessons she has learned reveal just what a powerful teacher she truly is in this life. I am so honored to amplify for you today, Elena Stanton's teacher story. Welcome, Elena Stanton, to the In Awe Podcast. I am so thrilled to have you on this feature month on teachers. Welcome, welcome. Thank you so much, Sarah. I'm so honored to speak with you tonight. Well, I've been trying to get Elena on the podcast for quite a little while, and we also had some technical issues in the first round trying to get this accomplished. So I feel like our conversation will definitely be exactly what it needs to be tonight. And I'm super excited for the listeners to come to your story. So can you just give our listeners some background about you for those that may not be aware of who you are and what you're up to? Yes. So my name's Elena Stanton and I'm an educator. I've been teaching for 15 years um, at the elementary level. My husband is also an elementary teacher as well. And it is just my joy and my honor to be an educator. It is a challenging job. It is a fun job, but um, it just has my full passion And the thing that I am just so passionate about is letting the student shine. This has been a belief and a mantra of mine for years and years. And each year I've just kind of seen it grow bigger and bigger that being an educator, it's not about our voices, but it's about students' voice. And so one thing I try to just do each day um, is reflect and each year reflect and think, how can I get my students to shine out? Um, How can I get their voices to be heard? Because our students matter. And I want I want the world to know that. It's a really beautiful life purpose and a focus for you. And after having been in the classroom for so long, I I really appreciate that you alluded to this idea that there's challenges and triumphs. And so since you've been in for, you know, a decade and a half, for those of our listeners that aren't in education, what do you think are some of the challenges that would that you would be able to share that would help us understand a little bit more about (laughs) what you might mean by that? So as a teacher, Um, You're with your students about um, eight hours in a day, Um, but you you also, you take home your students, you take home their little hearts and their voices with you. And so one challenge I find as an educator, and as my husband is also an educator, is they are never off of our minds and our hearts. And we we purposely have to say to ourselves, um, it's time to stop thinking about our students and it's time to focus on being present with our families and each other. 
Um, it's, it's such a soul pouring job. Um, teachers always were my heroes when I was a little girl, um, all the way through up through high school and through college, they were my champions. And so, um, I have found that educators, they want to be, they want to be students champions. And, and so they're just always soul pouring. So one of the challenges is we just have to make sure that we give, we give time for ourselves, give time um, to our family. And just remember, in order to take care of students, we have to also take care of our own selves as well. You are speaking my my language. That is so true. And I love how you say it's soul pouring. Um, because those of uh, the listeners that are in education, I think it's really not a stretch to imagine that life and that lifestyle and, and relate to that. And one of the things that I just love about what you said is that your, you know, your main goal is that it's not about you. It's about giving voice to your students. So what grade level are you currently working with? So um, I am working with kindergarten right now. I've done kindergarten, first grade, second grade. Um, I've taught technology special as well. Part is with the young students, um, K-1 and 2. I do do clubs with older students. I do robotics club with fourth and fifth graders as well. I really enjoy the young students, I feel, because you're, you're building a foundation for them from the start. You're showing them how to do school, how to, how to think, how to think outside the box, um, and, and just for, for them to be able to make goals for themselves and to start off in the school system knowing that they matter, that they have a voice, and who they are is important and what they're about to do. Um, in the future is also going to be important. It makes me smile to think about the wide range of you know, learners that you're working with in the different spaces. And also, I don't think I had a good enough appreciation for teachers at the primary level and specifically with kindergarten until I became a principal and then I could see way more clearly what that looks like um, on the start of a year. And so just to kind of peel that back a little bit, one of the things that I observe, so you can affirm or deny based upon your expertise, because I'm not the expert, there's no space that you have a more clear picture of the gaps that exist in education for the preparation for students than in the kindergarten world. And they come in and there's just such a wide range of their preparation. Is that accurate? Has that been your experience? That is true. So in the classroom, I teach kindergarten and I have this year 20 students. Sometimes we have up to 24. Um, for me, there is no pair pro, so it's just me with the students. And especially in Georgia, I live in Georgia, we start early August and up till about Labor Day in September, many students have been to pre-K, have not been to pre-K, have done at home pre-K with their family or been to public or private. They're all very different and so not only do you have academic differences coming in where you might need to be helping a child who might not know the lessons or the topics or things that you're teaching, um, you might have students you have to start enriching, giving them challenges so that they, um, they are challenged in their learning. Um, but the biggest thing I see is that where you're teaching how, how to come into the classroom and get with friends, make friends and the social aspect, how to talk to each other. And so what I find is the first six weeks with any grade level, but especially the younger grades, I am teaching them how, how to be a person in our classroom. And our classroom, we say we're a class family and you have to really soul for the first six weeks to show them 
how to how to be kind and how to speak to one another, how to use names, how to use the names of our custodians, of our cafeteria staff. And um, it is very exhausting. But if you put in the time in the beginning, you'll see, just as I've seen this year, your class um, go from point A all the way, it's like to point Z in six weeks. Because until you have your class ready to learn, it, you could have the best lesson, it, they're not going to learn. I've just found right now, I'm looking at my class from August to now, and it's a different world. And people are like, wow, mm-hmm. they're, they're so different. And it's because we've started from the beginning, learning the foundation of how to be a student and how to be a friend and how to be a kind person in this world which is so needed. Well, yeah. And, and I would say that's at any level. And if I were talking to a, to a high school or secondary teacher, they'd probably say very similar things. I just have so much respect for the work that you do, Elena, to, you know, <laughs> prepare the kids to learn, as you said. And we know that there's so much in there about brain research that our kids can't come to us to learn until they've got so many of their needs taken care of. And I just, I think that's so glaring at that level. But then also one of the other things I heard you say is that there's also no better time to see just this massive amount of growth <laughs> for the learners yeah. than at that level too. So it's really special place that you have in our educational system. So I want to just get to know a little bit more about you and have the listeners hear some things because I keep hearing you say that we're a family and that you're soul pouring. I know that you and your husband have some children and this is just such a busy, blessed kind of um, education saturated life, but it wasn't always like that. And um, I just know just a teeny bit about your backstory and just wanted to be able to peel a little bit apart the, the veil behind teachers and the fact that we're humans, right? And that we have lives and that we have struggles and challenges and triumphs. And so would you be wanting to just share a little piece of that journey that that you've shared with me a little bit about that struggle to build your own family and maybe some of the impact that that had and and all of the lessons that you gained? Yes, I I would be honored. So um, today is a very joyful day. We have three girls um, and today is my oldest child's birthday. Her name is Claire and she is seven years old today. And um, it's such an honor to be a teacher, but I'll tell you, it is such an honor to be a mother. Um, about eight years ago, my husband and I, um, we were kind of at, I just want to say almost the end of our road. We had been trying to start a family for three years. And each year, uh, my husband and I, we had a loss of a pregnancy. And there was one for each year um, that I was at my last school. And it, it just, it was very, very painful for both of us. And we are blessed to go through that together. It was humbling and it was just a challenge. It rocked our faith and it just, it was a very hard time. And so the last time that when I had a, a miscarriage was my third miscarriage. It was very challenging because it was on my birthday and it, it just brought the question of, of all of days, why would that happen on my birthday? Really just rocked my heart. But I, I just told my husband, I said, you know, I can, I can choose to have faith or I can choose to go on this journey without faith. And I'm going to continue to go on this journey with faith and hope because any other way, it just, you know, to, to wake up and go again and to be a great teacher, um, and to wish to be a mother, um, I knew I needed to have faith. So I dug deeper in my faith and just held strong. And 
due to being a third miscarriage, we were able to go to the doctor and they were able to just look at the situation and then not very much longer for me to have a surgery. And um, my doctor was able to close the books. He didn't tell us any of the information he saw in the books because I found out I was pregnant with Claire. And then um, seven years later, today, on this day, I got to celebrate her. And so um, it has been, it, it was a very, very tough journey at that time. There was times when it was, it was hard to go in as a teacher. There was moments where women would announce that they were pregnant and I could, I could barely go through the day. I had to one time leave a meeting immediately. I just was so floored at um, the pain that I was feeling and it was hard to look beyond myself. But through this pain, I was able to build some endurance. I was able to build grit. And I was able to see that um, having faith and hope through some dark and hard times really can help you become a light. And from those experiences, I was able to see that other people's voices needed heard, other people's stories needed heard, and that I needed to listen more. And I needed to make myself available for other people instead of myself. Um, my past self didn't listen to others as much. I had a lot of pride. Many times it was all about me and um, what I could do for my students, not what my students could do. Um, it was about me shining, not about my students shining at times. And so that experience, even though painful, it changed me to see a different perspective. And so now I've been able to see there's been people who've had some pain and just able to listen to them um, and be a listening ear where in the past I might have not noticed. And so I just feel very thankful for that time of my life um, because if I hadn't had that, I might have not been able to be the friend and the teacher, really the mother that I am today. Something important to me is to be present every day with my students, with my husband, um, with God, with my children. And I, I think that situation, that challenge helped me see that life, life is fragile and that life is not our choice. And then I was able to say, um, I'm going to be present and I'm going to try to live every day and be um, thankful to thankful to be here instead of just assuming that I'm here. Such a treasure trove of wisdom that you laid out there in several different layers. I'm so thankful that you shared it. And I'm certain that there is a listener at least that needed to hear what you just shared. And and even listening for me brought me back to a very similar walk in my own life. And so it's, it's kind of shocking because it's something I haven't really thought that much about lately. Lovely piece that you say about just the life experiences that we gain can teach us a lesson or they can break us. It really comes down to what we're going to choose you know, in those moments. And I love so much how you really unpack for us that that life trial grinded you into the version that you are now, which is a more selfless and more wise and uh, individual who can see and, and move forth with more empathy, it sounds like. What strength that comes from you to be able to say seven years later, this is how I overcame it is really, really precious. And it. thank you. I'm honored you shared that. And I'm so sorry for that loss. So I don't know if you're like me, but one of the things that I found is as I was going through that, more and more women were willing to say, 
you know, I've had miscarriages too. It's actually something a lot of people experience. And I'm thinking, so why don't we open the lid on that one before people start experiencing that pain? Why is it stigmatized and not talked about if in fact one in four pregnancies end in a miscarriage, you know? Yes. No, and and you're right. And I I found that too. First time I announced it to my school so early. I mean, I was only like six weeks pregnant when I first announced everything. And, um, you know, I, I didn't know. And so, you know, the school experience, my past school had experienced um, that loss with my husband and I, as we were both at the same school. And, but you are so right. So many women come and share their story afterward. And so, and I'm not sure why, why, you know, women and men as well. I don't want to say hide the story. Maybe, you know, they're, they're just not wanting to make other people feel sad. But I, I do think that sharing the story um, builds strength among people when you're able to um, share that connection and know that, um, you know, we're getting up and we're, we're going through that day again um, and going through with joy, which is challenging. There's a community in that. But I also think what you just said is is really critical, too, because we don't have roles in education where you can just shut the door and not engage, especially at that teacher level where you are so transactional every single day. So really appreciate you sharing that experience and the challenge associated with it. And do you have any recollections of some of the things that you did? I know you said you relied upon your faith, but if any, you know, somebody might be listening to this and it might be hitting them really hard because they might be in the midst of that. Are there any strategies or things that worked for you to keep you moving forward in that, even in the midst of grief with your students and your learning community? Yes, um, there were different books that helped. Um, I know that I read Jesus Calling by Sarah Young. And it's just a devotional, but it really spoke to me. That helped me talking to a good friend um, or, or a parent or my spouse when needed. That helped. I will say taking time to allow yourself to grieve is vital. So many a times I would be going through medical things. And I would have to, you know, that weekend things, I would go to the doctor and I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow myself to just take some time to reflect and to feel my emotion. We have emotions for a reason. So allowing yourself to take that time to breathe, that's just so important. Music also was a very key thing for me. Um, finding songs that um, just spoke to my heart and playing them that really helped me. And, and then sometimes walking away, many a times people might just say things that just kind of hurt your heart um, about maybe just having children or if someone's going through this, they'll know what I mean. And it is okay to excuse yourself to the restroom. It's okay to excuse yourself from the room. And so that, that's something I wish in the beginning people had said, hey, if you need to say no to something, allow yourself to say no, because many a times we'll push ourselves to maybe go to a baby shower. It could be a birthday party. And if, if that could be a setback for you emotionally, then I, I would send a card or something like that, but allow yourself to choose your events. That would have helped me a lot then. Yeah. Those are such really great tips. Um, Thank you for sharing that. And knowing that everybody's walk is so different, but that there's some universal qualities to that is just so 
It's inspirational. Your story is really inspirational. And so thank you for being willing to open up that door for anybody who may need to hear about it. That's not in a community that's talking openly. Um, and also just, uh, you know, that we can say no to things that are trigger points for us is something that's really hard. It's, it's pretty universal as well. You know, we all have, you know, whatever we have in our own histories, that's grief induced that it's okay to avoid the triggers when we know that that's what they are, but it's, it's a huge thing to be mindful about it. And then on the other coin, you know, being so celebratory uh, and not being aware of people's pain. That's a, that's something that I I heard you say that you didn't always listen to kind of know what people are going through. So there's another layer there in the the wisdom of your story too, that would be worth just pointing out as well. So if you're a listener and you haven't experienced those things, just kind of being aware of people around you that, that have to be mindful of their reactions. Yes. So let's switch the conversation just a little bit. Cause there's another piece that I think is super inspirational about you. And I'd love for you to unpack that story about the chalk truck you want to share. Yes. I'd love to share. Um, so my husband and I, I'll just start just a little bit prior. Um, used to be big time spenders um, and, and we're both teachers. So that makes me, just makes me smile. But at one time we were just kind of used to try to fill our time um, and our passions with stuff. And over time we just learned that that wasn't fulfilling joy and it wasn't giving us happiness. Um, it was just stuff. And so my husband and I, um, we, we started working on removing things and just not focusing on materialism and focusing on family and being present and experiences with people. And so over that time, um, we, we were giving you know, clothes to people. Um, we, to students, we've given our guest beds to people that, that needed them at one time and, and different things. Um, and through that, our hearts um, started realizing that giving just, it felt really good and it, it brought us joy. And also we found out how we really have so much, you know, we can give more than we believed we could. And so my um, mother and father had this um, old black truck and in Georgia, it's very, very hot in the summer. And my parents, um, they were not able to buy a new vehicle um, or trade in their vehicle. And so their truck had no air, no air conditioning. And so it was on my husband's and I heart this year. We just said, both of us kept saying we really need to do something. And so we have two cars and one of the cars was paid off. And my husband and I both are traveling to the same schools. We usually can travel together. And so we decided to give my mom and dad our Nissan Sentra um, that had just got paid off. And we um, knew that if we did that and we asked them for their truck, they could do a trade. And that they might accept that gift. And so they gave us their, their black truck. And so um, my husband, when he, he received it, my mom drove off, he came into the house and he said, Hey, Elena, I, I think I'm going to paint the back of the truck um, with chalkboard paint. He was like, wouldn't that be fun to, you know, just paint the back. And he left and then he comes back in and he says, Hey, I'm going to paint the entire truck with chalkboard paint. And my face just kind of looked at him and I thought, well, you know, he's going to be the one driving the truck some days, most days, because he knew how to drive it. And I was like, go for it. Called it the chalk truck. And we decided, you know what, we, we need to use this truck for other people to, you know, to have joy. I'm sure they were like, this couple's crazy, but um, we were trying to make, you know, something that, you know, was kind of old, just kind of fun. And so 
We ended up bringing it to a church event where all the children before school got to chalk it. Um, it was so fun to see him climbing up and chalking it. And then my husband and I also had brought it to our classrooms. And so for my kindergarten class, um, my students, when they were learning how to write their full name, they practiced for a couple weeks and they got to draw on the chalk chalk with their name and then do a design. And then my husband, who teaches fourth grade, he had the kids do um, math equations on the truck. And then um, we're going to bring it back next week. My students are going to get to write numbers on it. And they love it because they know that the community as well knows now that when they see it has, you know, student students drawings and student learning on it. Um, and so where in the past um, we might have just uh, been more closed on, on really giving a gift of a car, we were open and then open to it. But then also we're like, let's, let's make this fun. Um, let, let's have joy come from it. And really it's been, it's been a really big gift and it's been a gift for my parents because they've been able to see that they call it now the happy truck. It's a happy little truck. That's so cool. I think it's such a great sign of true educators and, and clearly those you and your husband that just lead from the heart in that way and taking any little opportunity to teach a lesson and to grow because in that alone, there's so many different layers too. I think about how you, know, how you mentioned that you're teaching your students to spell their names and your husband, of course, incorporates the mathematics, but then they also have this idea that an older vehicle can be repurposed and that it still has use. And you mentioned community, you know, bringing the community together on that concept. And of course, that altruistic piece of, of gifting to your parents is just such a really beautiful light. And I love that story so much. It's just so cool. <laughs> and it's just so funny looking back because, um, it, it, you know, years ago, um, really before the girls, that would have not been something we would have done. And I felt, I feel like we've, um, learned to let go of a lot and by doing so, it's like we've received so much joy and um, it's just, it's just been really fun. It's, it's really fun. I never know really what's going to exactly happen. And that's, that's kind of exciting. Maybe that idea of tethering ourselves to moments and to people instead of things and how don't we all want to strive for that? It's, it's a really cool message. Okay. So Elena, I would like to make sure that we get to our two standard questions on the podcast. And what I'd like to hear from you is if that you could write a letter to yourself at any age or stage, what would you say? All right. So if I could write a letter to myself, I would tell myself, Elena, you are enough. It's not by your works. It's not by your title. It's not any accolades. You are enough just by being you. Go out, share your voice, and help people shine. Encourage others. That's what you're good at. And do that. Do it more. Um, I feel as a young girl, um, that was something that I struggled with. I struggled with knowing um, that I am enough. And I think Having three girls now and being an educator of children, I, I see many, um, many children struggle with knowing that they are enough and they are loved just as they are, just for who they are, without a grade, um, you know, without any of those things that we love them just for the, who they are and that they matter. One thing I struggled with a lot was when I was younger, I just I wanted um, I wanted people to know I had a title or. I had done a good job and it started when I was young with gold star or, you know, um, you know, star in your paper. And later in life, it was through other things. Um, but 
you know, were, were not our titles. Um, I, I just had found out I had been going for teacher of the year this year. I was super excited and I was hoping that I possibly might be the Mulberry teacher of the year. And last night I got the call that I was not the teacher of the year. Um, that beautiful teacher, who's my daughter's teacher, actually, um, became the teacher of the year. And I had to remind myself yesterday and today, I had to say, Elena, you are enough. You are not a title. You are you. You matter. You matter to others. So remember, remember that. Um, you do not do things for titles. You do things because you're, you're letting students shine and letting their voice their voice be amplified. I love that. And my regular listeners will know that you just spoke right to the heart of a message that I would love everybody to hear. And what a vulnerable share, but such a perfect illustration of your point. And you are definitely teacher of the year uh, in our world here on the In Awe podcast. I've struggled too. You know, I co-authored a book with two national distinguished principals and I'm like, hmm, I don't have any <laughs> words behind my name. Congratulations, by the way, on your book. Thanks. And that's the only reason I bring it up is because it just reminds me so much that I really, that's not that they put that on me. The world didn't, you know, nobody's, nobody said, oh, Sarah, you don't have the same <laughs> accolades that they do. Why is your name on there? Nobody has ever once said that. In fact, if I look back on it and I think about this last year of my life, all I've ever had is the affirmation that I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing. I can relate to that. And so it's just a another way to illustrate that, that you don't have to have an award or a splash thing, you know, title behind your name to make an impact and to shine that light. So thank you. Thank you for bringing that one up. It's so cool that you shared that. How about if you, if we have a listener who finds himself in a pit of fear or doubt, and they just need to hear Elena's words to help them climb up out of it, what would you say? I would say you, you're, you're going to experience disappointment in life. It is a given. So just, just be ready for that. Um, and, and have have some things for for yourself ready, just in case you need quotes or verses. That helps a lot. But one thing I have found um, is when that when that voice comes in that tells you that you're not enough, just remember remember that you are enough. And one thing that helps me a lot is is looking at how I can help others. So at times when I feel disappointment, after I allow myself to feel that emotion, of course, you know that's. Emotions are a good thing for us to feel. We have them for a reason. But afterwards, when I pick myself back up, I think, all right, how can, how can I go out in the world right now, today, in the hallways, in the classroom? How can I spark some joy for other people? I found when I've looked outside of myself, um, I've been able to find that joy again and, and get out of it any slump, I would say. You know, when we give to others, others give back to us. So if you're going through a time of disappointment, you know, just remember, um, allow yourself to feel that and then pick yourself back up and do it again. Go through the next day and, and look for someone that needs you. Because I have found that when you're helping others, you really look beyond yourself and you see that, wow, I do have a purpose. That's wonderful. Thank you so much for those very practical words, you know, that it's just something as simple as a smile, their use of a name or engaging with other people can really help us out of those moments of doubt and fear, uh, no doubt. And so thank you for that. So just really quickly before we wrap this up, Elena, I know that you have, uh, I want to get specifically to a person that you would recommend to follow on social media. Do you have somebody we should connect with? 
Um, I do. I have um, one of my dear friends. His name is Chris Quinn, and it's Q-U-I-N-N, and he is from Canada. Um, you can find him at Twitter, on Twitter, and he is just a light to all. He runs um, an encouragement chat, and he daily puts out encouragement for others, and he just lifts others up. Um, he's kind. Um, he is an elementary teacher as well, and he's um, got one year until retirement. But what I love about Chris Quinn um, is he's willing to take the time for anyone. Um, we met about, I think, about three years ago, and I've just followed his journey, and I've just watched him really be um, just empowerment for others to let them know they're enough and encourage people. And it's just been really neat. He's working on a conference right now on kindness. Um, and so that's, I know, in the works. And so um, that's something, if you follow him, that you can, you know, um, look into if you're wanting to go to a kindness conference. But I, I just, I really enjoy seeing his in, his encouragement each day out there um, on social media. And I only do social media with um, Twitter and it's just um, I love to keep up with educators and see what they're doing, but I love to hear um, when people talk about being grateful or kindness. That's really encouraging to me. Yes. And so thank you, Chris. has uh, been somebody that has encouraged me on several days in my own life. I, I love that he was recommended. So how about a book recommendation? So an author that I just adore right now, and I just, I can't believe I just learned about him, is Bob Goff. And he wrote the book, Love Does. And then the book that I'm reading right now, his second book is called Everybody Always. And if you pick up either one of these books, um, you will just be, first of all, floored by his stories. He is like the chalk truck times a hundred. Um, and so when I read his stories and I would tell my children about Bob Goff, he also has a children's book with his daughter. Um, they they couldn't get enough of the stories. I pretty much had to tell them chapter by chapter of his life because his life, he talks about being loved, to embody love. And the way that you do it is not by being critical, not by judging, but just by surrounding people with joy, by giving, by giving of your time when that's so challenging. And so um, each chapter just talks to you about um, just becoming love. And one of um, the things that's on everybody always, the title says, Becoming Love in a World Full of Setbacks and Difficult People. And we're always going to meet difficult people. We're sometimes going to be difficult people. Um, but what we really can do is find out how we can be loving. Um, and by doing that, we really can change our communities around us. Um, and by changing our communities, you know, you spark a fire, you spark a light that just shines out. And so um, I wish I had discovered his books earlier, but now that I've discovered them, um, I just, I'm so thankful because it, it inspires me to think, how can I, how can I be more loving in my life? How can I give more um, to get more, um, you know, love in my own heart? So um, yeah, I would definitely check them out. 
Yeah, Bob Goff is somebody I often find myself retweeting, and <laughs> he's got also a podcast out that's fairly fresh. It's just a few months old, and that's another really wonderful resource to connect with him um, in addition to his books. So I'll make sure to link those up and under awe-inspiring recommendations from you, Elena. Okay, well, I just appreciate the perseverance that you have demonstrated to get on this podcast with me and have this awesome conversation, which was not a, uh, it was no doubt that it was me wonderful and so full of wisdom and um, joy. And you're teaching us so much about what it is to have a, you know, a mindset that grows and that we can transform into better versions of ourselves. And just in this time that we've spent alone, you've been teaching uh, the listeners and myself. So thank you so much, Alina, for taking this time to be with us on the In Awe podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you just allowing me to use my voice. I'm, I'm very honored. Thank you. It's my honor to amplify you. I continue to be completely awe-inspired by every single guest on this podcast, and I am so grateful every time you choose to share, rate, review an episode. It matters so greatly to the mission and the message of our guests, and I appreciate every time you help one another rise by lifting up the message. Thank you so much, and I appreciate you being a part of this awe-inspiring community.